What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast, episode number 115. It's a Motivation Monday today, and I have a very special guest for an interview for you guys. It's Zach Evanesh. If you don't know Zach Evanesh's work, he is the author of the Encyclopedia of Underground Strength. He's been writing, blogging for a long time now. He has the Strong Life podcast, owns a couple gyms in the Jersey area, and he's got a lot going on. Uh, He is one of my biggest inspirations as far as training and mindset is concerned. When I was younger, I primarily, when I first got into training, was doing bodyweight exercises in my bedroom. That was pretty much how I started. And Zach's blog actually was what got me into lifting, whether it was sandbags, kettlebells, uh, things with ropes, sleds, tires, weights, anything, lifting it heavy and working on that strength. That was because of what I read from Zach Evanesh's blog back in the day. And it really helped me become who I am today and it helped evolve my training philosophy to what it is today. So I was really excited to talk to him and he had a lot of great knowledge to share. He has a very no-nonsense attitude as far as training and mindset is concerned, which I think is really beneficial to hear. Um, he talks a lot in this interview about training kids, getting the mindset right in kids, and then how you know you and me in our training should should have our mindset and should really place our mind for our training and how the training will go into other parts of our lives, will bleed into other parts of our lives. It was a great conversation. He had a lot of knowledge to drop, mentioned a lot of books. If you listen all the way to the end, Zach talks about a uh, welcome packet, something that he sent over via email to me. That's in the show notes of this podcast, so be sure to check that out. Be sure to go download that PDF. That's really great, and uh, thank you to Zach for talking to me, and thank you for the freebie for my audience as well. I think you guys will enjoy today's interview with Zach Evanesh. If you do, leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. All that will mean a ton. And check out triplefpodcast.com. You can check out my products there and my contact form so you can ask questions for the show. Let's get down to it. Episode number 115, my interview with Zach Evanesh. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. Uh, like I said in my message, I'm a strength coach at the Univers- University of Nebraska now. Um, work with like track athletes, um, different Olympic sports and wrestling, things like that. Yeah, they got good wrestling over there. I think there's a couple Jersey guys that, um, I don't know if they're on the team or they just graduated, but you had James Green. Of course, you had um, Jordan Burroughs there. Yeah, big name there. Yeah, so you got some uh, Jersey representation. Yeah, it's a big wrestling area right here in the Midwest. But yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, back when I, I started reading your stuff, probably when I was like thirteen or fourteen. Don't so. say that, dude. When people say that, I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm feeling old, feeling <laughs> old. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what like uh, kind of 
taught me to train a little bit. I was, I grew up on a farm in North Dakota. That's kind of what my background was. Yep. Uh, so I had, you know, all the farm equipment available to me anyways, but you know, I started out like with, a those little push up handles and a door pull up yeah. bar. Right. And then when I started reading your stuff, I was like, well, you know, he's talking about tires, ropes, military bags, and I have this stuff just laying everywhere. And it's you just like to, uh, you need to go right back and set up set up shop on the farm, put the gym on the farm. I know, man. I had a whole whole like underground strength gym in one of our sheds in one of our barns with uh, we my dad and me welded like a prowler and we welded farmer walk handles and had a rope hanging from the rafters and I'm ready to I'm ready to to assign the lease. <laughs> yeah. It I that just helped me like uh start focusing on getting stronger too, which is I guess why I wanted to to have you on the show. So sure. like my audience is like some personal trainers and strength coaches, but a lot of like general population people who are just, you know, focused on being healthier. Uh, staying motivated through their training and stuff. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about getting stronger now that I'm a strength conditioning coach. And uh, just because you had a big impact, like on my journey and focusing on getting stronger. Yeah. So, any, any questions you got? And I'd love to uh, love to crush it and uh, whatever you got, man. I don't need to be prepped for the questions. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Just, just give me a background, I guess, on how you got into sure. Strength conditioning in general, but then just like also that underground strength kind of thing. Sure. So in the uh, late 80s, um, my older brother was, uh, I was in eighth grade, older brother was in high school, and uh, he always played football, uh, but then he joined the wrestling team his sophomore year. And basically he was, uh, I still remember him saying like, Zach, um, this wrestling sport is it is the best sport in the world. It's amazing. And when he started wrestling, his whole like um, demeanor of how he approached uh, life changed. I mean, he would train everywhere. So our house, my brother had accumulated equipment from, you know, back in the 80s. You'd just go and buy stuff from Sears and local sporting goods stores. And uh, we had the sand fill weight. So he had some. Uh, equipment in his room, like those little Joe Weider benches, sand fill weights. Um, and then he left a curl bar in my room, which was upstairs. So he left like weights throughout the house. And um, I used to try to kind of like do some pushups here and there, do a little bit of this and that. But it never, it ne I don't know, I didn't stick to it. I, I didn't have the kind of fire that my older brother did. And then something happened the end of uh, eighth grade, like two weeks before eighth grade. <laughs> Uh, dude, I love the dogs. Sorry about that. Oh, when I do a podcast, it's always uh, dogs barking and babies crying. So <laughs> it was uh, it was like a theme every time I did a podcast. But my my kids are older now. But if you some of my older podcasts, um, I'm being like shot by Nerf guns. <laughs> yeah, it's my dogs and and uh, kids crying. So. It's different now, man. I think the one podcast, my daughter snuck through my office uh, window and, like, was kind of hovering around the office and just, like, pulled her tooth out. It was like blood. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So 
that was, you know, uh, you know, going back to when I started the, the whole consistent journey was mid-June 1989. I was finishing up eighth grade and um, reading the Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding that my grandfather bought for my brother and I when we were in Israel. And um, I remember just like uh, copying the workout and exercise description from that book. And then just I followed the program, and I still had that original book that my grandfather bought us, and I just copied Arnold's workouts and uh, was training out of the house. And a kid a couple houses up the street um, was a year older than me training for football, and he had some of the same stuff. You had like a 90-pound weight set, the bench, and we would go and just like lift together, and everything was basically five sets of ten. And... Uh, I basically became addicted to working out. But the thing that pushed me over the edge <clears throat> with the work ethic was my freshman year as a wrestler was my first year wrestling. And on that high school team was a bunch of kids who were wrestling since like first grade. Um, I was the kid that like got his ass kicked in any street fight. I mean, I was just the softest, weakest kid. And I lost every match my freshman year. And that pissed me off so badly that the only thing that was running through my mind was outwork everybody. But I trained the wrong way. I trained in a bodybuilding gym. There were very, very few powerlifters. I'm talking like four or five powerlifters. You'd see one or two of them at a time. And they didn't look like what we see now. You know, they looked, they, they were either like tall and skinny, like they didn't look like they were strong, or they were just fat. <laughs> you just yeah. didn't want to do with that so my high school years were spent training the wrong way for sport and I basically you know looked strong but didn't perform strong and uh, you know knowing what we know now of how to train for performance is what I wish I had and um, when I started uh, kind of feeling the effects of proper strength training I was like midway through I was probably late in my college um, because I, what I started doing was copying the workouts of like the golden era bodybuilders, which was a blend of powerlifting and bodybuilding, lots of free weights, and even um, doing things like uh, muscle cleans. I didn't know how to do weightlifting, but I would do like muscle cleans with 185 pounds. And I remember just feeling aggressive by pulling weights off the floor. And I remember my back and shoulders getting jacked up from that stuff. And, uh, you know, I basically came across the wrong information. And uh, when I finally did come across the right information, it was the wrong timing as far as, like, my athletics. And uh, in my mid-20s, I started getting, you know, more involved with jujitsu and trying to, like, you know, uh, maybe, you know, dabble in, you know, sort of – back then it was called NHB, No Hold Barred Fighting. It wasn't called MMA. And I was training in that. I was coaching wrestling. But I was like 228, dude. I was pretty fucking big. And um, I would, you know, every workout I would squat 455. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> I could, you know, bench 300 for reps. And uh, I got uh, injuries, 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 torn shoulder, broken nose. I already had a knee surgery. And the injury that set me over the top was in my mid-20s, I was a fifth-year teacher, so I would have been like 26, 27. I tore my ACL, and that's what got me 
you know, I was so involved in wrestling. I said, that's it. Like, I'm going to find out how to train and I'm going to take this information and share it and teach it to other wrestlers. And uh, I knew, at least back then, the best wrestlers in the world were the Russians. Nobody was coming close to them. So when I started researching Russian wrestling methods or training Russian wrestling workouts, luckily I came across um, Louis Simmons' stuff, speaking of the Russian conjugate method, and uh, the early days of Elite FTS. So I was coming across early day articles from James the Thinker. They would repost or uh you know, Louis Simmons, every article he wrote for Powerlifting USA, he put it on his website. So I printed them all out in a three-ring binder. Like, I still have. I'm going to just kind of surround. You can see my, uh, my uh, some of the library here. Yeah. I a lot of books, and then I have more books um, right there. And then there's stuff behind the shelf. But I, you know, basically became such an aggressive student of strength. And uh, what I did was <clears throat> I started taking those methods that I was learning from Elite FTS, Louis Simmons. And uh, at the time, I was living with my parents. So I basically, I know this sounds crazy, was I uh, copied what they did in Rocky 3 and 4, blended it with what Louis Simmons was essentially talking about, so in the backyard, we had a bunch of stones, and I started uh, accumulating some equipment from uh, garage sales and, you know, gym closings and shit like that. This is like 2002. And um, training guys in my garage with a barbell, some dumbbells, and then in the backyard with an axe to chop wood and uh, stones. And then I would do things like take the beat, I'll hang it from the tree, do towel pull-ups, take the guys to the local playground, do, um, I remember they, we, I saw stones and I'd be like, all right, guys, like climb up that swing set, max out on pull-ups, then go to the stone, clean and press it, lunge it. I remember like kid was like, there's worms on the stone. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, eat it, eat it. <laughs> so what happened was because I didn't have like this knowledge of science and this perfect scientific training, um, I blended you know, golden era slash old school bodybuilding methods with what I was learning from uh, Westside Barbell and Elite FTS with basically, you know, putting guys through some like hellish workouts, you know, the shit that Rocky Ford did. And I knew that there was, I needed to train them mentally, not just physically. I knew, hey, I could train hard. I could withstand a lot of pain. But I needed them to like lift odd objects. And um, also looking at the early world's strongest man from the early 80s. I remember Franco Colombo like, you know, carrying the refrigerator on his back. So the good thing was there wasn't so much information to confuse me. There was just enough to guide me. And uh, I was also had a very deep why. You know, I genuinely wanted to change the lives of these kids i wasn't like well i love to lift this is just the way i'm gonna create a career out of it you know my initial plan was i'm gonna be a teacher then i'm gonna maybe be you know a college professor but i'm gonna be kind of like doing this strength stuff on the side and it you know strength coach was a new term back then i mean people were still calling themselves personal trainers right. so um you know from my parents house to find first house 
I began training more kids out of a two-car garage. And um, through the years, that basically outgrew the house. A little over 10 years ago, I opened up the first warehouse of the underground strength. And, um, you know, that's what I have now, a couple locations. And uh, also now uh, I work with the Rutgers wrestling team. And then three seasons was the first college I was at, which was at Lehigh University, also just with the wrestling team. So I've been, you know, as much as my training seems to be, oh, he trains wrestlers. You know, at the gym, I've trained every athlete, like cricket players, swimmers, fencers who have competed internationally, wrestlers, a lot of wrestlers, baseball, uh, you name it. And, um, you know, my own kids play multiple sports. My daughter, very much tennis player, and now she's in sixth grade and she trains with me once a week and she comes to the gym and we do sleds and different kind of kettlebell exercises and med ball throwing and she just trains once a week and um, it's cool to see how she gets like really uh, fired up about being strong and uh, that's also why, you know, like I tell the women strength coaches out there or women who are kind of um, influencers, I tell them, I go, you don't even know how important it is as, as a woman, as a female to really represent that it's a beautiful thing to be strong. And then, you know, what I do kind of myself is, you know, I'm going to be 42 in a month or, or so. The uh, beginning of December is like I tell men, like it's just not about being strong in the gym and how much you squat. It's about build this strength that could transcend the gym walls. And uh, to me, it's, it's abnormal to see men in their 30s and 40s who would not be able to do a pull-up or not be able to sprint. Um, you know, so when I look at training, I look at it much deeper than just sets and reps, you know, periodization, vertical jump. To me, that's really just the surface. I've seen a lot of guys that could train and do those different, you know, uh, training and they perform like that, but I want to train your mind so it's something that you could apply to your life. And I honestly feel like I fail the athlete if I train this athlete while he's in high school and then he decides not to continue in sports and then he just stops training, right? He just gets mm -hmm. fat and weak. And, and to me, I say, well, you know, I didn't, my message didn't hit home hard enough to that kid. I didn't train him to train himself. Or if a kid trains with me and then they, disappear for three months, six months, a year, for whatever reason, then they come back, but they're weaker and slower, I say to myself, well, shit, like, how is this a good thing? I'm, these kids can't train without me. They can't train without a coach. So I have almost like, as a strength coach myself, I have a, like this, you know, strange dichotomy of like, we need to train people to be more independent, you know? So this whole underground strength thing started really as an accident. And then now I kind of look at it on a little bit of like a deeper level of, um, you know, training for life, training to be dangerous. Um, and that's, that's a lot of things, you know. That's why, like, I, I have books all over my desk. The books I read, all the stuff I do is kind of in an effort to uh, train much more than just the physical, you know. Yeah. And I... I do that at the college setting as well. Like my goal is, how do I get these guys to take the what we learned through training and carry it over to wrestling? 
and carried over to schoolwork and social work and life in general. So now, that was one thing I really want to talk about is like why you see strength being so important. Um, so you kind of touched on that as far as like translating it over to life. Do you think? Do you think everybody? like their training should be based around strength just to try to get those principles like instilled in them through their training so they can translate it everywhere. Is that, is that one of the most important qualities someone could have is strength? To be strong is strength is an umbrella term. Meaning when people see the underground strength gym, they see our videos on Instagram. If it's a parent, you know, they're thinking, hey, that's a strength and conditioning gym. But when I say strength, okay, I'm going to build your foundation of strength. And now I'm going to get you more explosive. I'm going to get you faster. I'm going to put muscle on your body. And kids today, not just in the college setting, but these younger athletes I work with, middle school, high school. I've been working with middle school and high school kids almost every day of my life since 2002. Unless it's a Sunday. I mean, we train Sundays during wrestling season. Unless I'm on vacation, almost every day I'm, I'm spending hours with these kids. And what I've learned is like some of these kids can't even look you in the eye. They, they walk with their head down. They're like they're just scared of the world. Then you get a kid like farmer walking. You get a kid doing like 100-pound push-ups. You build a kid up to putting a bar on his back, and now he's squatting. He breaks the 200-pound squat barrier. Then he's squatting 315. That kid – becomes a completely different kid. He could look people in the eyes. He could, you know, give you a firm handshake. He could speak in front of a, a crowd and and uh, know what it's like to to you know prepare the mind for something he he's scared to do. And uh, that's why I am a big believer in in strength is because it's so much more than just the training of the athlete. Like I believe kids at the middle school should be doing farmer walks, sled drags, push-ups. And then, you know, we're building them, as my buddy Joe DeSena says from Spartan, he goes, you're changing their frame of reference. He's, he, him and I always say, we should just build a school. He goes, yes. He goes, you have to do 30 burpees before you, you know, walk through the gates in the morning. Yeah. And, and I just think that being strong, I don't think, I know it, it carries over to all areas of your life. And I, I've yet to meet somebody who is strong enough. And, I mean, I, I've worked with some guys that are pretty damn, like, they're moving a lot of weight in, in stuff. But then there's, like, other elements get them strong. There's, there's uh, I got to develop their mind, their mental strength, maybe under moderate to high reps. That's a different mental strength. Then if I'm getting psyched up for a set of one or a double or triple, it's tougher to do, you know, like in the deep off season with the wrestlers, uh, I snuck in some 20 rep squats and, uh, some of the guys that were first learning how to do it, they didn't, they didn't quite get what weight to choose. So we had guys doing like 40 reps at 185. Like it was just cool to see how they utilized the strength of the mind and the body to blend it as one. So to me, strength is, it's this umbrella term that uh, produces greatness in a lot of other areas, whether it's athletics, you know, any any area of your life, really. So it's to me, it's the first thing I look for. And, uh, you know, at the middle school level, even the high school level, the kids are 
nowadays more than ever before. They're uncoordinated. You know, they can't skip backwards. Um, you try to guide them through a bodyweight squat and they're like shuffling or moving their feet all over the place. And you just teach them how to kind of, hey, man, sim simplify this. Put your feet a little wider, butt back, knees out. Okay, now we're squatting with body weight. By the end of that workout, we're squatting with a sandbag or a kettlebell. And you could just see within that 30 to 45-minute time period the confidence that comes from a kid who says, who realizes, I just got stronger in this workout. Or a kid last week trained with me. He threw up outside. I saw the, the sh I saw the vomit outside. He didn't say anything. And then he struggled, like, throwing the 80-pound sandball. Uh, yesterday, he did it for four sets of four. I go, I go, dude, you see how you didn't even have to struggle today? I go, you know what happened to your body? And he don't know. These kids are so shy and scared of the world. I go, your body adapted by getting stronger because it said, oh, shit. Uh, Billy's starting to do some crazy shit every day. We need to get stronger to be able to do this. I said, that's how we roll, baby. We get stronger around here. And uh, I could see it in his eyes from last week to this week, already a different kind of kid. Different yeah. kid who believes in himself. And I mean, you know, I don't even know. Like, what price tag could we put on that, you know? Yeah, and that I, I can tell just like you talking about training the kids that like, I mean, that's where you're, passion is right getting those kids just changing their lives there's a lot of controversy about training kids but yes. i mean what i'm more interested in i guess is that mindset training in kids like is there ever like a really difficult case that you just have a hard time putting that killer mindset in somebody or do you just yeah. is that like how do you train that in a kid and what do you think their training should look like well, I'll, you know, first let me address like the big thing of like, you know, training kids, right? When a, when a mom or dad takes their, their son to the doctor and says, you know, my child is, they might say, my child is lifting, my child is training. What's the doctor? Oh, whoa, whoa, you'll stunt your growth. Because yeah. that doctor, all he's thinking about is squats and deadlifts. He's thinking, I'm putting a bar on your back. And I think, I don't know who said it, but they said, the um, somebody who does a lot of research in strength and conditioning said, I don't think there's ever actually been a long term study on does strength training inhibit the uh, the growth and the height of a, of a kid. Um, and in America, compared to, let's say they they say the Chinese, the Chinese like they're um, genetically like they're, that population tends to be that 5'6 to 5'8 height anyway. It's not the norm for them to be 5'11, 6'2. <clears throat> so, you know, with the middle school athletes, I actually stay away from barbell work until high school unless I have some middle school kids that look like they're 16. You know, they're like 185 pounds. They have a different uh, bone structure, and I've trained them probably for two years. And a kid like that, might do like five by five squats with like, you know, 85 pounds his first time. But that's a kid who's been doing farmer walks and sled drags and body weight exercises and kettlebells and built a foundation. And uh, when you build that foundation, it is so easy to teach a kid, okay, bro, here we go. You're of the age, you're, you're not just physically ready to put a bar on your back, you're mentally ready. 
Um, because there's like 16, 15 year olds who play football who can't do a bodyweight squat, but they have to be tested in a one rep max every month on a squat. How am I going to one rep max test a kid with a bar on his back who can't even do a bodyweight squat? Now he's probably shitting his pants with a bar on his back. Right. What you've got to do, the training has to build the mind and the body, probably more so the mind before the body, because the mind is going to drive the body. I've got to build your confidence. And some kids, you know, you're saying about killer instinct or asking about it. Um, my coaches, the team of coaches at the underground strength gym, at the end of every night, we send out an email. Here's how things went. You know, Jordan has a broken elbow, so we just did one arm squats and one arm clean and press with the left arm. I put a belt around them to do sled drags. I did back extension, squat jumps, lunge jumps. We kept Jordan in the game. Uh, and then Jimmy is, man, he just doesn't have the confidence. He can't look me in the eye. He's scared. Da, da, da. I tell the coaches, I go, guys, don't forget. We're not, kids aren't, parents aren't signing up their child for the gym because their child is already an animal. Okay? Those kids aren't coming to us. I tell them, I go, it takes time to do what's called turn the corner. And in my early days of coaching, I would – definitely say I was more crazy and less um, giving people an opportunity to turn the corner. Like if you're not showing up and just fucking trying to destroy this gym on day one, I don't even want to work with you. But now I've got kids that like, sometimes I catch myself a little too easy, but it's like we need to slowly build them up because if a kid gets like shocked on his first workout, he throws up, uh, you know, his parents may never want him to come back. Because they're scared. They've never gone through hard work. When I wrestled in high school, dude, I got taken to the to the hospital. I passed out during practice. I think for like three days in a row, I ate an orange and a cup of coffee for breakfast, skipped lunch, dinner. I don't even know if I ate. Then I'd go run five miles. So I don't fear like the, the passing out. I don't fear. Do I have to throw up? Like it just doesn't bother me. But other people who have essentially never been punched in the face, any little bit of physical discomfort is like, you know, a fucking meteor. Uh, it's like a UFO landing in their backyard. They're going to be like, what the hell is this? So we have to like slowly build them up. And if every workout I could just get them 1% better, 2% better, give me one more push-up. Give me, you know, farmer walk that for two laps in a row for this set instead of one lap. We're going to get somewhere. But I'm going to go on the opposite end of the spectrum. Here and there, I have kids that just don't turn the corner, that just don't get better, that refuse to eat breakfast in the morning, that struggle to do push-ups for six months. And I say to them, I go, look, dude, you don't need me to get you better at push-ups. When you're obsessed about getting strong, if you're fucking tired of being weak, you're going to be able to do 50 push-ups. But you don't – until you have that, I can't help you. So here and there, there are people that just don't want it. And I don't know what that is. I don't know where that comes from. But uh, I tell people, I go, you want to get strong? You need to get obsessed about it. Because when you're obsessed about getting strong, you're going to start like um, – where's this book I had? Uh, I have so many books on my desk. I'll show you this book. Showed it to everybody last night. Uh, it's I had super score sitting on my sitting on my desk. 
And I, I told people, I go like, everybody should read. I don't know where I put the book. <laughs> That's right. I said, everybody should read Super Squats because it really talks to you about free weights, drinking milk, and, and just eating a lot. And when you're obsessed about getting strong, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Boom. I'm going to get nine hours of sleep. I'm going to pack two sandwiches for lunch every day. No more of this one sandwich bullshit. My breakfast is going to be six eggs. I'm going to eat those six eggs. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes early to make those eggs. When you become obsessed about getting strong, you realize that everything is either for you or against you. And you've got to get rid of everything that's uh, that's standing in your way. And, uh, you know, I, I've learned that from my early teenage years. Even Dave Tate, I remember, taught when he was powerlifting, he'd say he'd come home. He'd order like a, a pie, pizza pie loaded with everything on it. And he'd stare at that pizza and say, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, you are the very thing standing in my way between being a world record holder and I need to eat this food. And, you know, those are extremes. You know, let's just go to like the, the most normal, the most normal thing. We should basically move every day. If somebody wants to get fit, just go walk for five, ten minutes, you know. Wake up in the morning, take a walk, and exercise could be so simple that we're, we're in a world where simplicity is shunned because people want this shock factor of everything. When really, like if you just give me a dumbbell, I'm going to, I could get, you know, give me nothing and I could get you strong. But if I shut down my gym, I could train people at playgrounds. I could train people out of the back of my truck. I could go to your house. I could train you with so little equipment and still get you strong and get you fast. But you've got to be willing to do the other things outside of the gym that make an impact in a positive or a negative way, right? The, yeah. the negative training, I say, is the books you read, the movies you watch, your social circles. It's all of those things that feed your brain. That's why success breeds success. You know, you're at Nebraska. And uh, that's been a powerhouse. I know football and wrestling are big there. Um, you know, the SEC or uh, Alabama, you know, certain colleges are kind of known for it because they're all in the same boat. It's normal to be successful. It's normal to work hard. But if you're hanging around other people that say, why you got to eat so healthy? Like, come on, that's crazier. Do you have to go to the gym on Friday? Dude, is it going to kill you to skip the gym on Friday? You know, those things add up in a good or a bad way. And that's why getting strong is so much more than just what we do in the gym. And it's more than the sets and the reps. Do you think people just overcomplicate things? Yep. And that's why, like, a lot of people don't get started? Or do you think it's like a discipline problem? Like, do you just think, you know, people might know what they're supposed to do, but they just, like, don't have the discipline to you know, go to the gym on Fridays, like you're saying, or eat right. the right some way. People, some people don't have the discipline, you know, there's, that... there's a lot of stuff that, you know, disciplined people do shit, whether they want to do it or not. It's, they, they don't like doing everything. This old book here, actually an old book. This is like one of the first like Navy SEAL books that was ever written, which Dick Marcinko, Rogue Warrior. And I think like one of the big quotes is in here is like, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. 
And I, I remember reading that. I was like age 18. And um, yeah, like he has like his Ten Commandments of like special warfare. And it's like thou hast not to like it. Thou hast just to do it. I, I shall, you know, uh, it's it's like nobody's special. It's like I'll treat you all alike, just like shit. <laughs> it's like nobody is a special snowflake. And now more than ever, we're distracted. Instagram, Facebook, these phones. Um, not long ago, I drove by a gym in like a strip plaza, and you could see all the windows. I don't think I saw anybody working out. I saw 50 heads down on their phone. Right. Dude, that is insane, man. Like, don't do it. Don't touch the phones. Destroy the workout. You know, but I'm talking from like an elitist mindset, and I have a hard time relating to you know quote unquote normal people like I, I don't under I don't understand what it's like to not work out I don't understand what it's like to say you know I, I had knee surgeries in college so I've just done doing you know uh, this sport to me that makes no sense I've got a torn labrum and I found ways to strengthen my shoulder and feel better and feel pretty damn strong without getting surgery but I could have said I'm done this is over I need surgery. I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to become the couch. And uh, the mindset is key. And that's why I, I try to read books that inspire me. I read books like this is a real powerful book here. It makes me feel like such a wimp. It's called The Forgotten Highlander, World War II Survivor, Survival. And um, like the shit they went through and then – like, I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, ooh, it's cold in my house. It sounds so weak. It's so weak. So I do, I do things that probably, you know, my wife doesn't agree with. So if it's cold in the house, I just don't want to turn the heat on because I feel like I don't deserve that comfort and that heat. Or, you know, little things like um, when I got to take the garbage out, I go out barefoot, and I don't, and I don't put on jackets and shit like that because – I just need that two minutes of being uncomfortable. Those little things add up and they just keep me going. Um, you know, silly little things we could do because I really believe comfort, it, it's such a, it's the enemy. It's really the enemy. Um, and, and like, you know, Jim Wendler said it. he goes, we're such a lazy society that we're creating fake work to, to like make our body strong. We're, we have to lift weights. Whereas, you grew up on a farm. I'm pretty sure, like your dad, if I said, uh, you know, to your dad, you know, here, crush this gripper. It's a, it's a number one. He would probably just be like, okay, like, what's so hard about that? You know, he could probably farm a walk hundred pound dumbbells. I don't know how old he is, but I guarantee you, like, we get somebody who works on a farm uh, from Nebraska. They're not going to be. Um, they're just not going to be in shock when they have to like carry shit. Yeah. And we're, it's just a different world. You know, every year you're, you know, at the college level and you probably see it more than me, but every few years or every other year I see like a football team, you know, five, 10 kids have rhabdo. They have to go to the hospital because they did 50 sets of squats. Dude, I did 50 sets of squats. I remember before we were going away for like three weeks to Israel and I was like, shit, there'll be no gym. All right. I'll just squat for like three hours to make up for the lack of that. There'll be no gym. And 
I had no problem. I had no rhabdo, you know, like I squatted for 50 sets and it's just a different world now. Like, you know, I took the kids to warm up recently across the street from our gym. We did like 10 minutes of ultimate football. They were crushed. I was like, guys, I can't believe that little 10 minute game rocked your world. You know, they were crushed. And, uh, and the, the the town recreation department like sending me emails like that we're playing football and they want and they're like you know playing football I go man it's a public park and I, I got six kids I go I've been here for eight years and I've never seen a football game break out on that field. <laughs> is it is that discipline that mindset something that I mean I assume people can develop that right like maybe it maybe it's just like your average forty year old woman or something and she you know there's the days where she doesn't want to go to the gym so she doesn't go to the gym is there a way over time to develop that mindset where when you don't want to go to the gym you go to the gym well so you were talking about earlier you said that like you're the listeners are interested in general fitness some of them are coaches so the easiest thing to do is have something in the house so let's say you you know let's say it's it's 40 year old mom she gets an 18 pound kettlebell and then um, she'll. This is some of my favorite stuff. I'll do like five, four, three, two, one, five by five, ten, eight, six, four, two. You could do uh, ten swings, ten push-ups, ten, eight, six, four, two. If you just did that right there, you're already you're a hundred percent ahead of zero workouts. You could clean and press five, four, three, two, one each arm. Five squat jumps after you know five, four, three. I love doing that stuff and. You know, it doesn't take much to keep the body going. And we don't have to look at, like, oh, we don't have to go to the gym to work out. What if I just go take a job with my dog? What if I go, you know, hiking? What if I go with the family and we go apple picking and uh, I carry the buckets of apples? That's going to be a workout there. And the discipline is just doing one little thing every day. Mm -hmm. One little thing every day. I mean, you could... If I, I always do this little math equation with uh, the younger athletes. I go, I want you to wake up and do five squats, five push-ups in the morning. Then I want you to do it after school. Then I want you to do it at night. So I go, how many is that in a day? They go, 15. I go, good. What's 15 times five, Monday through Friday? 75. What's 75 times four or over the course of a month? 300. Okay, what's 300 times 12 months? 3,600 reps. If you do five squats and five push-ups, at the most, it's 30 seconds. So let's just say it takes you a minute and a half out of your day. And that's 3,600 reps over the course of a year. Right. It's, little so, it's so easy. Yeah, yeah. It's these little things. When I worked as a bartender at the shot and beer joint when I was going through grad school, I worked Saturday nights. We'd close down at 3 a.m., clean up. And the guy who worked the liquor store was the wrestling coach. We would do 100 push-ups at the end of every night. It was usually around 4, 4.30 in the morning by the time we did those push-ups. But uh, we got them done quicker and quicker. It started off being like 34, 33, 33. Then it was like 50, 30, 20. Then I built up to 75, 25. We just banged them out. And it's like that 100 every Saturday was 400 extra a month. Just by spending a few minutes, forty-eight hundred in a year. How do you? How would you translate that 
just to shift gears a little bit, like into business, since you, you know, you own your own business, uh, the gym locations and online, how do you translate that, you know, little bit of work, little bit of extra time, that little bit of discipline, how do you put that into business for those like entrepreneurs and stuff that listen to the show? My big, um, quote is like, just do one thing and that's a hundred percent more than zero. So just send one email to somebody of importance. Just post one Instagram video. Because trust me, sometimes I'm like, I'm not feeling creative. I'm tired. You know, I, I don't feel this. But just do one thing. Send out send out an email. Make a 30-second video on Instagram instead of a one-minute video. Those little things uh, add up. And when I was in my uh, early 20s, I think I was a third-year teacher, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar, Unleash the Power Within. And uh, I still remember him saying, just do one thing. He goes, because then you are in state, meaning you're in, you're building momentum. Pick up that phone, make one phone call. Now you're going to call three people, four people. You, you know, it's like saying, I'm just going to floss one tooth. You know, you're not going to floss one tooth and just say, I'm done. You're like, all right, I'm already going. I'm going to floss all the teeth. So those little things uh, they, it's, it's like the brick, it's the brick layer. It's the man building the house brick by brick, inch by inch. And it's, you know, it's a slow and steady process versus, you know, today people want results yesterday. Yeah. Microwave society, right? The instant, yeah. uh, guess what? This shit takes time. I mean, I've been, uh, I started the business around Oh two. And uh, to this day, I still feel like it's a struggle. And I'm always like, damn, dude, is this shit ever going to get easier? Maybe it doesn't get easier. We just find a smarter way and we leverage, you know, all that work we've done. And what's good now is because I've done all that work, um, I can leverage a lot of that stuff. So uh, the one thing a day is 100% more than zero. And that one thing a day can sometimes just take 30 seconds out of your day. So, um you know, you've got to build the momentum by moving. But yeah, it's yeah. it's got to drive you crazy too. Like if someone, uh, you know, considers your business like an overnight success or any of the athletes that you worked with, uh, you know, an overnight success when they don't know all that years. Yeah. Every and overnight success story has at least a 10-year history, I say. Yep, <laughs> that's true. Yep. So what about like advice specifically for coaches on yep. just being a better coach, whether – that's like a personal question for me, how to be a better strength coach and, you know, motivate the athletes, but also relate to them um, or yep. maybe even a personal trainer at the clients. I think the, the most important thing is you have to genuinely care. When you genuinely care, you're going to find and you will seek out ways to improve. Um, you'll never feel like I'm good enough. I have arrived. I am the master. I can't learn from anybody. And uh, the coaches um, were saying to me when I first got there, they're like, dude, we never had somebody that's always checking in with us, asking us how practice is going, how to make it better. And I've heard that from other uh, sport coaches was that the reason why they tend to not like a strength coach is the strength coach doesn't want to listen to the sport coach. You know, at Rutgers, I always say, I go, my boss, my bosses are the wrestling coaches. They're the guys that give me the feedback, and I don't ever feel like, you know, they always say, they're like, look, I'm, we're just kind of sharing this. We're not telling you how to do it. 
but I love hearing their feedback. I love when they're like, hey, man, is that enough free weight? Is that enough barbell work? You know, because they know that that mental feeling you get from that extra barbell work. And I was like, man, let's throw in just three sets of three cleans into like the second part of our warm up to get that feeling. And they're like, yeah, we love that shit. And it's important to be a listener and also to listen, not just to the coaches, but listen to the athletes. Um, some of the, the college dressers that I'm working with, they're true freshmen. Some of them are fifth-year seniors. When you're a fifth-year senior and you might be like 23, you start coming into a different type of strength. It's almost like the beginning of that man strength. Your grip gets strong. You um, respond differently to a you almost respond better to slightly lower volume of training. You might take the third day off, whereas the younger guys might not have that third day off. So I listen to the guys and I try to emphasize to them that we need to, we need to communicate on the regular. And I also, I utilize the warm up as an assessment of their attitude, their energy levels that day. And uh, what I might do is if I see that like a kid is kind of sluggish or the group is sluggish, that warm-up gets a little more pop, a little more jump training, a little more med ball throwing. Then the free weights might be a little less heavy of a percentage, a little more speed so they don't have to get psyched up for it. And then I might cut the workout 15 minutes short or I might walk up to one kid after he does you know, cleans and jumps and I'm gonna be like, hey man, that's good enough for today. Go take a shower go get breakfast, and go take a nap. Like, they start learning, oh, wow. We're, nobody in this weight room is a special snowflake, yet at the same time, each kid does get some special treatment right. if they genuinely need it at that time. Um, and the other thing that, that keeps me going is effort, is I never want the kids to come to me 20 years later and say, you half-assed it with me, Zach. On that one day in the middle of December, I remember you weren't all about it that day. I tell them, I go, guys, I'm going to leave every workout. And I'm going to be, I'm going to exhaust myself by giving you everything I got. I'm going to empty my cup of energy. Same thing at my own gym is if I'm tired, nobody knows about it. If I had a tough day at home, that's nobody's business. I don't need to share it. I don't need to wear it on my face. Put that away. Put, I tell the kids, I go, put that shit in your back pocket. Don't announce it. Keep it in your back pocket. I teach them how you, you have to utilize your mind to learn to compartmentalize. I've got some stress going on in my life. My girlfriend, my this, my that. Put that away. Boom. In the zone. And it's a little bit of a dark place you got to go to to be successful. You have to learn to have a bit of a cold heart. You know, you got to have some steel running through those veins. You got to have a little, you know, there's a, a book called Thick Face Black Heart. Haven't mentioned it for a while. It's, a, it's actually a business book. Um, and uh, I can't, the author, I believe, is from China. And I think in the early days, I think China, like, uh, outlawed the book. And uh, I, I don't know if it was because a, a, a woman wrote it. But basically, it was, you know, about... Um, you don't get uh, you. You don't let your emotions fucking you know take charge of you. The tough thing is somebody like me, and there's 
this is a pretty common thing in the strength and conditioning field is we're so passionate that we burn ourselves out. And that's something you have to be careful with. It's an area that I'm walking a real fine line with even right now because I put so much passion into it. And at the independent sector of owning my own gyms, I deal with so many people who quit when just the slightest road bump comes up. Whereas I train kids the way I would train my own kids. So if my own kid's broken arm, broke a foot, they don't get to stay home on the couch. You show up, if you broke your foot, we could still do push-ups, we could still do seated overhead presses, we could do band pull-aparts, band push-downs. If you broke an arm, I could put a belt around your waist and we could drag the sled. We could do squats and lunges with a kettlebell. We could squat jump and lunge. You know, I treat kids the way I would treat my own kids. And when you are running your own business and you find yourself always caring more than the person on the other side, it's your your emotions get run down, man. So, uh, and look, sometimes you got to crash and burn to learn. You know, you can't just. It's not can't always be smooth sailing. So I'm okay with crashing and burning sometimes. <laughs> what about uh, what about parents? Because I think like you know, even if their parent isn't necessarily a strength coach, that the the coaching process, or at least that you know, rubbing off that mindset onto your kids, will start with the parents probably. What's some advice you have for some parents that could be listening about teaching their kids to be strong? Um, number one is don't be afraid of hard work. There's a lot of parents are afraid that if their son is uh, or their daughter is playing the sport and working out, that like the kid will fall apart, the wheels will fall off. And I remind them, I go, not long ago, you know, seven and eight year olds were, were working on farms seven days a week before school and after school. Okay. It wasn't very long ago where kids were doing four hours of manual labor, two hours before, two hours after school. It made them stronger. And I think we're uh, parents are too scared, too conservative when what they need to do is um, teach their child that the struggle is going to make them stronger. And uh, we all have the time. Now, if we give our kids the, the free time, they'll just spend it on their phones. Okay? So we need to do, we need to guide them and give them opportunities to get better. Um, my daughter plays tennis, we compete on the weekends. Usually have to drive about an hour, tends to be the average hour each way. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, tennis, like the uh, each game is, is quite long. I'm kind of learning all that now, but like she finished, I think, one night. It must have been like 10 15 or 10 20 at night when she finished her game. And I was like, Jesus, this is like, you know, this is a great thing, yet it was a bit crazy. But those. Tough moments shape them into being stronger. So parents definitely have to support their child into doing work. Uh, find a great strength coach, not a good one, not the guy who's 50 bucks cheaper, five minutes closer. Find a great place where they are going to challenge your child and try to you know, uh, shape them into that strong life that I talk about. And I put the pressure on the coaches at the underground. I go, guys, I'm a coach. When I invest money in a club for this or that sport, I want that coach to be great. So when you guys show that you're a little tired or you're playing the music you like, but it might not be the music the kids like, uh-uh, it has nothing to do with you. 
and it's all about these kids. So kids need to be given opportunity to get strong and guided through that stuff. Uh, what parents could do at home is stock the house with great food, pack the lunch for the kids, and make them a, a homemade breakfast. Uh, minimize you know, the cereals and the frozen meals, and don't buy the school lunch. I feel like those simple things there, eat a good home-cooked breakfast, pack your own lunch, find a great strength coach, and play multiple sports, those three, four things there, man, that's that's huge. And you know what I could also do for you, Jordan? I don't know if you put this on a blog. I'll email you our welcome packet. It's a PDF. You could share it with anybody you want. Um, it was put together by myself, Travis Mash, and John Welburn. We called it From Good to Greatness. It's basically a what-it-takes handbook. And um, it's basically like, hey, it's a lot of basics, it's consistency, it's hard work, it's mastering the mundane, it's, you know, no fads, no gimmicks. It's us really saying that there's a lot of bullshit out there and that's, that's messing up um, the way kids are getting trained nowadays because people are selling bullshit and it makes me nuts because these kids can't go back and, and um, you know, reclaim lost time because they were trained by some fad. Like I had a kid, uh, did a, did a workout last week, did his first intro workout, but he goes to one of those big commercial speed schools mm -hmm. and, uh, he didn't know how to do lunges and he never dragged the sled. I mean, these are the most basic things. Like I, he didn't know how to drag a sled forwards, backwards, and his, he didn't know how to do proper lunges. This is a kid that spent months at a you know, at a big quote-unquote speed school. To me, I have a problem with that because kids deserve better. You know, they deserve better. So you got it. Parents have to do their due diligence to find people who really know what they're doing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, send me over that stuff. I don't want to hold you up too long. Uh, we're hitting close to an hour here. So uh, where, uh, where can people find you? Where's the best way to, like, learn more about you and how you train? Um, undergroundstrengthcoach.com is our membership site and uh, zachevanesh.com is the blog and uh, Strong Life Podcast. I think people will really like that. And then um, just uh, shoot me an email and I'll email you the PDF and you could uh, you know share it as a free download for your people. All right, awesome. Hey, it was great talking to you. Like I was saying, you had a big impact on how I train, so it's it has been fun Thank talking you. to you. I meeting up with uh travis stetzel from omaha too pretty yeah. soon i i heard him on your show so i was yep. uh he came to the second certification i still remember him remember he took off his sweatshirt and i was like damn that dude's jack <laughs> yeah yeah he's a big dude he, he yeah, was to... he was intense he came with his buddy joe those guys wound up opening a gym together then they uh they split up and and uh you know, Joe is, is doing like training with people outdoors for hunting and Travis still doing the stranding initiating. And it's cool to see those guys, you know, they they chose their path, you know, slightly different styles of strength and conditioning. Joe is training people how to utilize the outdoors and to be more fit for hunting, which I've seen uh you know, when you're out there hunting and you're hiking and climbing mountains, you got to be prepared for yep. a lot of stuff. And you got to haul out uh, your animal on the way out. And... Yeah, or you got to be prepared for 
you know, animals attacking you. It's pretty, I've seen some pretty wild stuff thanks to the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure our, uh, our respective schools will meet each other too. So, uh, nice. Good luck there. Uh, but yep. yeah, thanks again for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. Nice. I All appreciate right. it, dude. Shoot me an email. I'll get you that PDF. I will, no doubt. Later, brother. All right, guys, and that'll do it for today's show. That was my interview with Zach Evan Nash. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you enjoyed his attitude as far as training and as far as mindset is concerned. It's something that discipline, that killer mindset is something we all need to adopt. So thank you to Zach for sharing that, and thank you to you guys for absorbing it. Thank you for the support of the show, and thank you for joining me on episode number 115, my interview with Zach Evan Nash. I'll see you guys on Wednesday for Workout Wednesday, but that's this week's interview in this week's Motivation Monday. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.